This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, it's Candice. And Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. Nope, we don't. Which is why we have our guests join us each week and try to help us figure some stuff out. (laughs) That is right. Now, we are recording this episode at an earlier date because um, I'm sure you know Candice is pregnant and going to give birth to a sweet babe. And we wanted to make sure we got this interview in before that. So this is just before the holidays, and we are so excited to introduce our new guest to you guys. Not only is she a dear friend of ours, but she's also a colleague, Jennifer Breslow. We've had so many people write in over the last two years asking about, you know, how you get into acting. So we've had episodes all about how you become an actor and what that process is like. We've also had people write in asking about becoming a writer. So we've had episodes with 
writers like Julie Pleck and Karina McKenzie. Well, today we wanted to talk about what it means to be a producer, a very, very important integral part of developing a show or developing a movie and a role that a lot of people don't know how you become a producer or what that really entails. Well, lucky for you guys... We happen to know a great one. We are sitting down with Jennifer Breslow. Her job entails being responsible for overseeing the development and production of pilots and series programs for networks. Now, she's created network hits like The Vampire Diaries, Life Unexpected, Gossip Girl, 90210, Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, just to name a few of them. Her career isn't limited to the small screen. However, she's also produced features like Cursed, Backwater, Scream, only to mention a few. Today, we sit down with Jennifer Buslow not only to discuss the origins of shows, but to discuss a show in particular that we both love, The Vampire Diaries. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Jennifer Buslow. And we are here with Jennifer Breslow. Hi, Brez. We're so happy you're here with us today. (laughs) It's so nice to be here. I love that we're all just like a few streets away from each other, too. We're all like neighbors <laughs> at this point after all these years of knowing each other. And here we are on Zoom. This is the way of the world now. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, you've been someone we've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. We always talk about how we don't have anything figured out by the time we're in our 30s. You are someone who has had your shit figured out since before you were in your 30s, in your 20s. You have such an extensive resume. Um, what do you attribute most to your success? Oh, my goodness. That Well, first of all, that's really kind of you to say. Um, it's all so well, true. I don't have my shit figured out. <laughs> You're everyone, uh, including me, is a work in progress in life. That's what I can say. I am a work in progress all the time. But um, what I can say about my career is that I knew from a really early age what I wanted to do. And I always sort of had this myopic point of view about going out and being a producer in entertainment. That was that was my plan from the time that I was about 13 years old. And so I went to film school and I did internships and I just I just started really young. I had this, you know, kind of single-mindedness about it. When did you know you wanted to work as a producer in film and television? Um, probably, uh, sometime in college, I think was, I mean, I went to college thinking I went to film school, um, and I, I, you know, got a sort of degree, generally speaking in radio, TV and film. And I really just sort of started in college and said, Hey, I want to do this. And I didn't really at the time know what a producer meant exactly. I just knew that I had the bug and that I wanted to do it. And um, it didn't, it took one sort of set visit for me to figure that out. And then it was, I was hooked. I was just hooked. It was just, I had, you know, this like love of being in the entertainment business. Producer is such a specific thing though, because usually when, uh, especially when people are younger, you know, at an age like 13, it's like, you know, actor or director or writer. But I love that you Mm -hmm. were just like, nope, guys, I'm going to produce this shit. That's what I'm going to do. What, what did, how, how did you even know what a producer was at that point? I knew nothing, honestly. I just knew that I liked, um, I liked 
TV. I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid. So, well, to be fair, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an actor. And then I realized really, really quickly that I was terrible at it. So kudos to both of you for being excellent at it because um, it's really a hard job as I figured out. Um, so I was horrific at it. And then I just said to myself, I want to do something. And then as I was watching TV and films, I could see this producer credit. And I thought, well, those are probably the people that put it together. Um, and then when I went into TV um, and film in college, I started to learn what it meant to be a producer. Exactly. And you start to produce your own college films and you start to, you know, you start to learn from the ground up. So. Yeah, we know you from a little known show called The Vampire Diaries, where we all first met over a decade ago, which is crazy and dates us all. But uh, that aside, um, you are part of the reason or maybe the reason that the show exists to this day. And I know so many of our listeners are huge fans of the show. So we were hoping you could give us a little insight into how the show was created. Take us take us back to the beginning. Okay. Um, I like telling this story. So, um, well, first and foremost, you know, I met some of the greatest people in my life doing this show who still happen to be dear friends, including the two of you. Um, so I didn't know at the time that it was going to have such a big impact on my life, but the origin story of the show goes something like this. I was a lower development executive at the CW at the time. So it was the beginning of the network. We had just kind of combined with the WB and we were figuring things out. It was really early days. Um, and in the beginning of every development season, what happens is the creatives and the producers sort of at the CW, all the executives all get in a room together and they go on a retreat at the beginning of the season. And they say, what do we want to make this season? We as executives, you know, people come to us and pitch us a bunch of shows, but sometimes it's nice for us to have a point of view about what we want to make. So we did our retreat that season um, and we came up with a bunch of things. And um, at the time we only had one show that had been successful so far. And that was Gossip Girl. Um, that was our first season. So so we knew we wanted to follow it up with something probably also young adult and, you know, probably something soapy. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that when we were talking about whether it came up in that retreat, whether we were going to do a vampire show or anything in genre, and everyone said, we really shouldn't do a vampire show because there's already true blood and there's already you know, the Twilight series, which is such a mega franchise, how would we ever compete? And so we sort of tabled it as a concept. We talked about it and then said, no, no way we want to do it. Wow. Um, and so as a result of that, um, a executive named Andrew Wang, he was working at Alloy at the time, and he sent me the books to the Vampire Diaries very early on in the season. And he said, you should read this. But because it was vampires and because I knew our company was sort of unified in our point of view about no vampires, I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, and so I ended up kind of going through most of the development season. We were buying and we were hearing pitches and we had a pretty full slate. And it wasn't until the end of the season that I got another call from Andrew and he said, you have to read the books. Jen, read the books. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And so I sat down <laughs> that night, that weekend, and I started reading. 
And I realized immediately, I was like, oh no, it's so late <laughs> in the season and I'm just getting to this. That was really stupid because there's a huge show in here. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, the characters are there and the mythology is there and this can go for seasons and seasons and seasons. And so oddly, serendipitously, um, the next week, I was sitting in my office and thinking, okay, I have to find a writer for this. I'm going to have to package this up if I want to do it. I'm going to have to say, this is an undeniable thing and take it to my bosses and be like, I got to do this. And so uh, serendipitously, Kevin Williamson and Julie Pleck happened to be having lunch in the building and they said, come down and see us. And I started talking about the books. And Julie was coming off of a show, Kyle XY, and Kevin didn't have his next project set up yet. And I said, you guys should read the books and let's put the band back together. Let's do this because we had all worked together at Kevin's company um, a few years back. And so Julie said to me, I'll do it. I'll read it. That's great. And I need something to do. And Kevin was like, I don't want to work, but if you guys do it, I'll do it with you. <laughs> <laughs> And so honestly, Julie read the book that, that night, that weekend. And she was like, this is crazy. She's like, I don't even know if I can do this because we had such limited time because the season was already so late. Um, but somehow I convinced them both to do it. And then we started a deal. And then my boss, Tom Sherman at CW at the time said, went to Warner Brothers and said, hey, we need a studio to do this. And suddenly the show was off and running. <laughs> and Julie and Kevin started writing. And then the rest is history. And we would go on to meet each other. And because you were there for all for everything, everything. Um, for the pilot, before the pilot, for casting. Yep. And I think... Um, you know, anyone who's not in the industry and who wonders about the, like the different elements of like how TV shows end up becoming TV shows or how movies become movies, um, they don't really know about all the different roles that so many different people play outside of a cast or outside of a writer um, and outside of a director. And do you feel that each show has its own kind of magical chemistry beginning to it or do you feel like there is a formula where people once you kind of get to know how a show is formed that's how it's formed or is it kind of like relationships you never know how you're like the all these like soulmates are going to come together to make this like special you know thing that you really can't put a word to there's a little bit of everything in that I mean I would say there's some luck in it that the chemistry between the writers and the producers and the directors and that all of that comes together. There's certainly chemistry between the cast that makes it sparkle. Um, but I would say that it starts even before that. It starts kind of with a unified creative vision. So, you know, because I had read the books and because Julie and Kevin came on and we all had a shorthand together we were sort of unified in what we wanted to bring from the books, where we were willing to stray from the adaptation. Um, Bonnie was a blonde <laughs> in the books. And so, you know, we really wanted to open up the show and make sure it reflected the world in a more sort of accurate way. Um, so we wanted to cast the show a little bit colorblind and have some diversity in it. That was really important to us at the time. 
Um, and so, you know, we decided to make Stray from the creative vision of the book. But I mean, I think it, the chemistry started behind the scenes too. And then in the casting of it, um, we, I don't know, there was something really always special about this show, you know, even from the very beginning, everybody bonded really quickly as I'm sure both of you will remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, we were hanging out on the weekends in, in Vancouver shooting this. And it was just a, it was just special from the beginning. We had Marcos as our director and she was everything. He was our leader. Right. Um, it's funny, we, in our interview with Paul, he talked a lot about the casting process and how um, much that can affect an actor. And um, I think for our listeners as well, the casting process is sort of this fantastical um, idea. So um, what was it like, particularly, you read the book and you envision certain characters and then Kevin and Julie put their magic touch and write. And then have you ever been in, in a situation and did this happen during Vampire Diaries where you pictured a specific character and then an actor came in and completely changed your mind? Yeah. There, so, yes, that happened. I mean, I think we cast pretty true to the book, but except for Kat. I would say, um, Candace, you definitely were your part in the book and Kayla, you were your <laughs> part in the book. Um, and I think Paul, I would argue was Stefan with the exception of the fact that I think we probably ideally wanted to cast a little bit younger and, <laughs> Um, and Paul was not, Paul had, was an experienced actor at the time. Um, and we wanted him to look age appropriate for high school. And then ultimately we said, nah, doesn't matter. He's a vampire. He can be whatever age we want him to be yeah. <laughs> because he was the best guy for the, for the role. You know, that was the truth is that Paul killed his audition and, and we knew it. <laughs> Um, and there, you know, there was no one on the, there was some fight over Ian as Damon, I would say. Oh, wow. Um, Yep. Um, but ultimately I won that battle because I wanted the Damon from the books and that was Ian. Like, Mm. yeah, he was, you know, so there were people that necessarily hadn't necessarily read the book that were weighing in on casting. And they, so they didn't have the same kind of starting points, you know, as we had Kevin, Julie and I had from, from the casting process. So for any listeners who are wondering what a developmental, like what a development, how things are developed and then what a developing producer is, um, could you kind of give a little bit of a breakdown as to what your job title was at that point? Because I'm sure anyone who's listening is like, well, wait, this sounds so cool. Like you you read this book and then you find these writers and then you're part of this casting process and you're like part of bringing all this wonderful stuff together to create your dream show. And could you give our listeners some insight as to, you know, what that means in case they've never heard of this job before. Sure. Sure. So, 
Um, development executives, um, there are development executives everywhere in the industry and they work on all sides of the business. And I'll try not to get into the boring business side of it, but basically development executives exist at production companies and they exist at studios. And those studios are the people that help finance the show. And then they exist at networks and those networks are the people that put the show on the air. So Networks are responsible for distribution. Studios are responsible for the management of the show and the budget of the show. And production companies are the boots on the ground people that are on set actually making it happen. That's my sort of bare bones version of it. And there's development executives at every place. And those development executives are responsible for a number of things. One is they're responsible for sort of reading material and saying, hey, I think this could be a show and I want to make it. And so when you're at a production company, a development executive will read a pitch from a, hear a pitch from a writer, or they'll read an outline, or they'll read a script, or they'll read an article, or they'll read a book, and they'll say, hey, I think this could be a cool show, and we should literally develop it into a television show. So the word development means we take something from nothing and turn it into a show. Um, and so I was doing that job at the network at the time. So I was director of development for CW. Um, and a lot of times things come to us more fully packaged. That package word is a big word that gets used in Hollywood, but, um, uh, meaning that it comes with a writer and a, and, or a director attached and they come with their vision. In this case, I was doing it a little bit backwards where I read the books and usually it doesn't start from a book at the network stage. Usually the books come to us. So I was starting from the ground up. We call it ground up development. And we, I hired the writers and made a, and we made a deal with the writers. And then I was helpful in sort of shaping it and making sure it was true to form. So Julie and Kevin would turn in outlines to me and they would say, what do you think? And give us your feedback. And then I would give them my thoughts on whether, you know, it felt like we were starting in the right point in the pilot or in the first episode or so on. And then we'd go from outline to script. And I do the same thing at the script stage. And then once we had a script and everyone was happy with it, then I'd turn it into my bosses and they'd say, yeah, nay, you can make it or not. And we got a green light. And that green light then read, led to production. And then once we're in production, we stay with the show. So we're responsible for helping figure out who the director should be and helping figure out who those department heads should be, wardrobe and, and you know, everything. Literally every crew member sort of comes, you know, we sort of look at it and go, are the right pieces of the puzzle coming together to execute the vision? So... We, we sort of take it all the way through. So the producers are sort of doing the early vetting. They decide who to interview. And then they come to us and say, this is the person we want to hire. Are you cool with it? Mm. So that's kind of our part in it. And you have done this with so many hit shows. I mean, we're talking, you know, Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. And like you said, um, let's see, I guess 90210 was one of your shows as well, right? And um Private Practice, Unreal, Gossip Girl, all these huge shows. Um, have you ever been through this, all of what you just said, and really thought you had a huge hit? And then all the pieces, all the puzzle pieces were perfectly aligned and perfectly together. And then for whatever reason, the audience didn't take or something just didn't go as planned. Sure. 
Um, I mean, shoot, that happens more often than not, you know, I, <laughs> I would say, you know, I just think when you're playing the numbers, like there are things that I would fall in love with and was convinced that they were going to go and they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't work. But, and do you have to mourn that a little bit as like, you know, part of your creative juices flowed into this thing you thought was truly going to be successful. And then it's yeah. ends up not being, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times the producers in the studio sort of um, were the ones telling them whether it's going to get picked up or not. And, you know, if I'm, if you're sitting at the network side, you're the one sort of in the decision-making process. But a lot of times, especially if you're a director of development, which is on the lower end of the spectrum, when I was at CW, my fate is just as much in the hands of other people's decisions. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, it can be, and we invest a year of our life into making that pilot, that one episode, it takes a year to make, um, if not more sometimes. And so, yeah, it's just, it's heartbreaking for us because they're all our babies. We love them. (laughs) Yeah. How often do you find yourself kind of on the search for um, creatively what you'd want to attach yourself to next or develop next as opposed to projects finding you. I mean, I specifically remember Unreal um, because I remember being when you you were in Atlanta and we were hanging out and you came over to my apartment and you showed us the uh, short that it was based off of and you were so excited and the short was fantastic. Um, How often do things kind of, you know, do you stumble upon those like creative gems like that? I mean, what I would say is more often than not, the, you know, again, just sort of percentage-wise, most projects come to us. But what I would say is that I have found the majority of my success when it's been me finding something from the beginning and building it from the ground up. So Unreal was one of those projects where I had the idea of doing actually came about because I wanted to, I read, I wa- I loved the movie Soap Dish, which is dating myself. Oh, I, I loved that movie too. Sally Field. Love that movie. Classic. Um, I said, and actually Julie Pluck was partly responsible for this, was that I was having lunch with Julie one day and I said, I wanted to adapt Soap Dish. And she said, yeah, but daytime soaps, you know, aren't a thing anymore. The new daytime soap is unscripted. Um, and so that sort of set me in motion into thinking about how would I do something like that? And then again, sort of this weird serendipity where I want something to happen and it happens into my life is that, um, Sarah Shapiro had done, had worked on The Bachelor and had done a short film based on her, loosely fictionally based on her experiences. And, um, and, uh, and I saw this film sequin rays and I freaked out because I was already in the process of trying to find a writer to do this exact idea. And then there was suddenly the short film that I could just point to and say, this is what we want to do. And so we, you know, it was out around town and we were trying and we had to compete to buy it. I remember HBO being in on the mix and I think Showtime. And so, and I was like, no, 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 hands off. Whatever we have to pay for the short film, we are paying it because this is, this is what I want to do. This is the thing. (laughs) Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back. 
You know, ever since I've known you, it's ever since we've known you, you have always been working so hard. I mean, you truly have like multiple, you're always reading books. I've ever said, you've always like, oh, I'm reading this new book for this possible project. And you always have a million things going on all the time. Um, do you feel or have you felt that being a woman in the film and television industry has made you have to work even harder to get to where you are? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think that particularly when you're working in production, I think it's really as a, as a female working as a producer on set, I think it's more a male dominated industry when you get into, um, when you get into kind of studios and networks, there's a little bit more of a female kind of boss situation for the most part that a lot of the places where I work have had strong female, you know, mentors for me, but I would definitely say there's a hustle. You have to have a little bit of an internal hustle in order to do this job. Um, and I've always been pretty motivated in my life. So some of it is just a tenacity that I naturally have. Mm. Um, and then another part of it is this industry is very competitive in general. So you gotta, you gotta work hard and you gotta put in the hours. How do you perfect the taste buds? Do you think it's just like the creative taste buds, essentially? Like, do you think it's just something that people either have or do not have? Or do you feel like you developed like your taste in projects um, early on to be able to say, no, I know this is going to be good. Um, as opposed to just like, this is a great idea. And then later on reflecting and being like, what was I thinking? Like, cause every, <laughs> we've all had that moment where we're watching a show or watching an infomercial for a product and being like, Oh my God, I had that idea. Or I thought that, you know, I told you before that this would make a great show or that this would make a great, you know, thing on QVC. Um, what makes you, what, at what point did you realize, okay, I, I know what will be good and I know what will work. Oof, I don't, I mean, I still don't know. Ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm right as many times as I'm wrong, I would say, um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know the percentages. I haven't really thought about it, but, um, I can say this is that I was raised in this industry by Kevin Williamson. I started as his assistant and he promoted me through the years. And there's something really special that happens when you work for a writer, um, because you have to learn storytelling from, you know, a really basic foundational level. And when you're taught how to, how to tell a story from a writer, you sort of, I think have a leg up as a development executive because you, it, I've never written a script before, but and most development executives haven't. But when you work for a writer, you know, you sit and you are with them in the room when they try and break a story down. And when they try and, and sort of say, what's act one, what's act two, what's act three, and where are your beats coming and what's motivating it? And what is this character doing? And you start to get into all the nitty gritty of those ideas I think that you end up having kind of a, a, a sort of great foundational expertise in choosing concepts. But I would say the other thing is I am also just a complete TV fanatic and I always have been. 
Um, and so when I was growing up, I did two things. My mom taught me to read and we made weekly trips to the library. And when I wasn't reading, I was watching TV. Um, and I just had a love for TV and I very instinctively, I don't think I knew I was learning at the time, but I very instinctively started learning what makes TV tick and also what makes what like masses of people like and what it's what I like call commercial hits. So I can hear a concept and say, well, is that going to appeal to a broad amount of people? Or is that going to be more kind of artistic niche? Is that for the coast? Is that for New York and LA? Or is the middle of the country going to like that too? You start to think about those things too, when you're a development executive, like, will everybody like this? And is it relatable? I love that you brought up being Kevin's assistant, because um, although you climbed the ladder quickly, you did have to start at a certain level. You had to start as an assistant. And I'm wondering um, if you have any advice for our listeners who might find themselves in that time of their life right now, which may not be the easiest. um, What is the best way to climb and how do you get through it? Hmm, Those are fun questions. Um, um, Start early um, and do internships. That was really how I started my career. So the internship, you know, you learn a lot of things in the internship, but the internship is ultimately not necessarily all about learning and being a part of things. The internship is really about the relationships. That's the key because you are meeting people that you, you know, never would know otherwise in your life and you're making connections. Um, and so much of our business is based on those relationships, you know, Julie and Kevin, Kevin calling me and saying, Hey, let's have lunch. And it just happened to be that I had just read these books. And so if I didn't have those relationships, I don't know that I would have necessarily reached out to Julie to say, Hey, will you write this? It's all relationship based. Um, so internships, 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 I cannot say that enough. Um, and I think just to have a real humility in your career, um, you know, don't take anything for granted, work hard, um, you know, work, 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 work for your love of the, of the business really is what you're working for. Um, and if you love the business, um, truly, truly love the business, it shows and people want to work with you. In this time where people are watching television in a completely different way, I feel like there are things now that are working that wouldn't have necessarily have maybe been considered to be a hit, you know, 10 years ago when The Vampire Diaries was on. Like, for instance, The Queen's Gambit, I started researching like chess after that. I was like, oh, well, maybe I need to get us a chess set for the house and learn how to play chess. (laughs) And guess what? it is really hard to find a chess set right now because they're selling out everywhere because everyone's (laughs) obsessed with the Queen's Gambit. And I wonder, like 10 years ago, is that something that would have been on primetime television? Um, Now that people are kind of taking in TV in a different way, creatively, has your perspective shifted at all? Yeah, a little bit. I think that, you know, I mean, the Queen's Gambit is on Netflix and Netflix is in a very unique position in which they have a global platform. So they distribute their content to everybody in the world in 190 plus countries worldwide. And so, you know, that is a very special thing where they have this massive microphone 
in which and this massive reach to to get to people. So I think some of you know some of its timing is you know is your show coming out at the right time and the right environment. Um, you know, I think that there's a thirst for television in general and series in general. Um, and but that's been a trend that's been going on for the last, I would say, decade. You know, the more access people have to TV, the more they're watching. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's just a general thirst um, for this kind of pop culture connection in a way. Especially right now when we're all quarantined at home. That's exactly. for sure. Exactly. You um, had a lot of experience internationally with Netflix. And I'm wondering what that experience was like from the sense of being an American and developing shows for different countries. How much of your job required immersing yourself in a different culture and understanding things from their perspective before making the decisions as to what shows would go? A lot of it. Um, and I can say that it was the best job I've ever done. And I can also say it was the most, um, humbling experience that I've ever had because you, you know, the American experiences are not the same experiences of everyone around the world. And to pretend that, you know, a story that makes sense in America is going to make sense in Brazil is just not accurate. <laughs> um, and so, you know, work, I, I, I was so blessed in the early days of working in Netflix that we were working on shows all around the world. And um, I was working on shows in Brazil and France and Italy and Argentina and Korea and Japan and India. And, you know, there are different cultural tastes everywhere. And so one of the first things that I had to do was to, um, kind of start watching TV from around the world. You know, what What are the biggest hits in every country around the world was one of the first things that I did and starting to analyze why, you know, what do they love about it? And starting that as my sort of basic point. And when you do that for every country around the world, it's a very big job. Oh my right. goodness, <laughs> a lot of learning to do. <laughs> I know my favorite was when we ran into each other in Rio. You were like... <laughs> are you in Rio? I was like, are you in Rio? And then we were like, where are you staying? And I listed the hotel and you're like, that's where I'm staying. I was like, thank you, Instagram. As you guys I know. I mean, what are the chances? Wow. What is the, is there a common thread that connects us all in the TV shows that we watch or, or is there something that stands out very differently? Like, do we all enjoy a love story in a different way? Like, what did you learn from that experience of researching um, hit shows from all over the world and what people gravitate towards based on where they live? Uh, I mean, the unifiers are that everybody loves great characters and great, um, great relatable characters, I would say. And I would say the other universal is everybody loves quality television. Um, in whatever, whatever that means to, you know, in every country is a little bit different, but, um, people know great storytelling when they see it, they don't, they don't have to be told what that is. And so quality and then relatability of characters, I think are the universals, but the genres, the, you know, that's different in every country. Um, 
France and your a lot of European, you know, countries like their crime. They like, you know, Scandinavia is known for its noir. Um, India loves romance and comedies. Brazil also likes comedies um, in general, but they have a lot of crime shows because, um, you know, there's a there's you know sort of a systemic crime issue happening in Brazil, um, and so it's relatable for them in a different way. So it depends on the lens that you look at things through. So then you come from an international perspective and you come back to the States and you are now creating content for the States. Did you want to broaden the stories that you were telling then coming from that perspective? Ideally, yes. Um, But what I can say is that it gave, I, I came back with the perspective of looking at our shows and saying, oh, that's going to be for an American audience or that's going to be for a global audience. And that's really the difference in the perspective that I had after that experience is that I was, I would always have the sort of, I mean, it was obnoxious when I think about it of like, I would think about making shows and I'd be like, oh my God, the world is going to love this. I, and I like hate myself for thinking that now because I thought about all the shows that I made and that is just not true. Um, but now I can look at a piece of uh, a pitch or a script and I can say, oh, that's going to be sort of uniquely American in its point of view. Or I can say this has bigger global reach and I think this might be more relatable at, at a bigger scale, at a bigger level. Well, I have to ask, what are you watching right now? <laughs> what are your 2020 shows? What are your quarantine shows? What have you fallen in love with? Um well, I have watched a lot of television during my quarantine. Also, I watched a lot of television um, while having a baby. Right. I'm up at very odd hours. Um, <laughs> let's see. I will say that I just, I, I know I'm late to the party and I'm sorry about this, Damon, if you're listening, because Damon and I worked together at the beginning of our careers, but Damon, I just watched Watchmen. I just finished it and it was awesome. So thank you. Um, I also just watched The Great on Hulu um, and I loved it. Oh man, is that good storytelling? Oh, those characters are delicious. Um, And I just watched My Octopus Teacher on Netflix and I thought that was stunning, beautiful. Um, We watch a little bit of everything. My husband and I sort of watch, we watch everything together and usually it goes, he chooses and then I choose and we go back and forth. (laughs) Are you critiquing throughout it? Are you just like, oh no, like they this should not be in it or or, or can you watch it and enjoy it? I really try not to because I sometimes just want to be an audience member. But there's also a lot of times where I'm like, well, that was a strange choice. And then there's other times where I'm like, that was a network note and I can feel it. Someone had oh, wow. a note and said, I don't understand. And then they gave a really bad line of dialogue to try and clarify it. <laughs> it's so funny. My sister always hates watching television and movies with me because I'm always like, there. you could see her mic. Like, oh my God, you could tell there's nothing in that suitcase. <laughs> and like, I'm just like comments from the peanut gallery right and left. Do you guys, do you and your husband, Nick, find yourselves doing that as well? Or are you able to actually turn that brain off? No, you, it's impossible to turn it off entirely. You have, you do it. You just, it's, it's, 
it's part of who I am. Right. Yeah. We both do it, but he likes to talk through the whole thing. So if he starts talking too much, then I usually end up pausing it. And then we have a conversation and then we go back to it. Right. <laughs> In a year like 2020, I, we've co- talked constantly on this podcast about our ability to find the creativity. Um, in times where everything's just uh, out of our control, it feels like. And uh, do you have any advice for anyone who's listening, you know, going into this next year of, um, of, of either finding creativity in a new way and kind of a fresh start or anyone who was able to find that creativity this year and what they can, you know, put it, how they can continue that momentum moving forward. Um, and just dedicating themselves to a, a passion or something that they've written or something that they want to develop or, or trying something new, you know, for anyone who's listening, who's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know, you know, now I know what a producer is. Maybe that's something I want to do. You know, do you have any advice for just taking that first step? Um, I would say first and foremost, which is follow your love and follow your passion and follow your gut. I mean, if you really want to do something and it's always, it's the thing that keeps you up at night and it's the thing you constantly think about and you have any self-doubt whatsoever, um, push past the self-doubt and, 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 and just try um, the worst that you can do is fail, but at least you'll never regret trying, you know, and saying, Hey, I, I didn't do that. But 2020 has given us some, you know, really nice perspective, I think, which is that it's taught us, you know, it's really put in perspective what it, time it means. Um, and that we've all had a lot more time in our lives than we ever thought we would to be home. And so that means sort of getting back to center of our family and our friends. And I find that when I do that, I have a tendency to sort of let all of the noise, all of the white noise, like, you know, kind of disappear. And then I start to focus in on the things that are important. And so, it helps prioritize things. And what I would say about, you know, sort of starting your career, starting your passion in general, which is, you know, make a list of priorities in your life and think about what you want to do first and what's most important to you. And then tackle them one at a time. Don't get overwhelmed by a list of things that you need to do. Just start small. Um, And if you think, hey, I want to win an Emmy one day, that's great but it takes a long time to get there. So start small, start with the first idea or start with creating the first relationship that you have uh, with a writer or a director, you know, start like, start with the manageable pieces and then build from there. And then suddenly you'll look back and go, Oh my gosh, remember when we started this project two years ago? That's cool. Or you can look back at your friends and say, oh, my gosh, remember when it was over a decade ago and we were all started this project and now um, it brought us not only wonderful life experience, but each other, which is really cool. It's just been really fun to go through all this with you guys. Breslo, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us all your expertise. Um, I know so many of our listeners are just going to absolutely love what you've said. So thanks. One of the things I love so much about our conversation with Jen Breslow was how she talks about finding the love and then 
from that, the creativity will come. And that's something I really need to hear right now is I've been having trouble. We talk about this all the time, finding the creativity within ourselves, especially this year. It's been... Um, more difficult. And so to find the love first and then let the creativity come from that was really great advice. Yeah. It's starting with what, what ignites your own passions, what gets you fired up and leaning into that instead of immediately wondering, you know, what will be globally successful. Um, I know this is like old news for when this episode comes out, but, uh, you know, I love my celebrity gossip. So I was reading up on (laughs) what T Swift was up to. Um, but I read a little blurb about her experience. It was like an interview she did with Paul McCartney and it's, and she was referencing how, you know, she for the longest time would always be creating music and, you know, also considering like, do I like this song, but also how will it sound in a stadium? How will it sound in a car? How will, you know, will it play commercially? Will people like it on the radio? And that her experience of writing something like folklore was more of, you know, what she wanted to create from her own storytelling and something that she just wanted to make for herself. And so it just reminded me when we were talking uh, to Jen, just that, yeah, that's what it's about. And I think that that's something you know, by the time this episode is out, we're calling it last year, you know, Mm. last year, 2020. But I think that's something uh, that in a lot of conversations I've had that people are finding again, like as opposed to figuring out what should I be doing to service, you know, the idea of what my life is supposed to be look like. It's kind of going back insular and finding like, what can I do to um, be happy within myself and, and then start moving forward from that point. Hopefully in this new year of 2021, we can kind of put all that we've been through behind us. Don't not forget about it, but put it behind us and use it to motivate us forward, to create things that have more of a perspective and more value to them. So be grateful for everything that we did experience, but also be willing to let it go and move on and go to this, um, higher state of creativity and purpose within our world. Um, We hope you guys felt just as inspired as we did by our interview with Jennifer Breslow. We have another great episode for you coming next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.